This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Every talented person wants to go from a village to a city, from city to a metropolitan town, from metropolitan town to a New York or a or UK or London, wherever. Uh, how do you actually bring the talent to these businesses, even if you are able to bring capital? I'm absolutely thrilled to have a true pioneer on this episode of Jamsters Podcast. You know, long before impact entrepreneurship, impact investing were actual words, actual sectors. My guest Vinit Rai, founder of the Avishkar Group, which is an impact investment platform, laid the foundation of this space in our country and has built a movement, an ecosystem of innovative, ambitious, mission-driven entrepreneurs who aspire to make our world a better place, but through the vehicle of businesses. You know, to give you a quick perspective, the Avishkar Group has 7,000 employees, manages assets in excess of over 1.2 billion US dollars, impacts millions of people across Asia and Africa region. Vineet, welcome on Jamsters Podcast and thank you for doing this. Thank you, Hardik, for having me here. Vineet, your story is uh, public literature. Your success is public literature, but I do want to go back to your origin. Uh, but before we do that, I want to understand, and for the uninitiated, what is it that you do? So, Hardik, first, thank me. Thank you for having me here. Uh, I There are many things I do, but the most important thing I do is I have been on a mission to try to find ways to make poor people rich. And uh, I was a very naive, young, 29-year-old forester uh, way back in 2000, 2001. And uh, I said, how do you, everybody I met who was poor wanted to be rich. And so it seemed like a very genuine way of thinking about a solution to this uh, very vast problem of very large number of people trying to be somebody they don't know how to be. Uh, I came from a middle-class family and uh, given that uh, we had also not seen any business, what my naive mind concluded is that uh, anybody who does business becomes rich. So if poor people start doing business, they can become rich. And then when I dissected uh, business, I realized there are two parts to it. One is capital and second is talent. So if you have capital that can allow you to take risks, come up with new ideas and build businesses and engage poor people in those businesses, uh, then some of those poor people can become rich. Uh, second thing I realized very quickly is capital is important, but not a, it's a necessary, but not a sufficient condition. Without talent, you won't go very far. So I initially started with a very simple objective of trying to create businesses in rural India. Uh, and over a period of time, this idea of actually building businesses where people live with people who are coming from lower economic strata uh, became impact investing. So basically, in a nutshell, uh, I try to collect capital from the rich and then try to build businesses that create jobs, livelihoods and probably wealth for poor people. Fantastic. Well, that is definitely a great North Star to have. I'm curious to know when you say rich, what does that really mean? It's such an abstract term and means different things to different people. Yeah, so I think uh, my definition of rich is very simple. Uh, a person, when they have, they have, they, they can make choices. And uh, what is a choice? Uh, when you can have two square meal a day, uh, that's a choice. Uh, a lot of people die, live hungry. Uh, so hunger is actually a very big issue that we face in a country like India Press all over the world. Uh, if you can send your children to school, if you have a roof over your head, and once you have these things, uh, you have electricity, running water, 
you are basically rich after that whatever you seek is greed uh, because your basic uh, needs have been taken care of and so for me a person when he reaches or he or she reaches a stage of making choices that's when you become rich fantastic so you see that and and i believe in your journeys which is much more than two decades in the space uh, you've seen that uh, the freedom of choice is something that a lot of people do not have yeah well uh, i think all of us think we don't have freedom of choices but uh, uh, what is a freedom of choice buying a yacht uh, do you have that choice do i have the choice answer is no but that's mm-hmm. actually a choice of uh, your wants uh the choice of needs is basically where richness stops and i think uh, just to give you some statistic uh, in a post covid world the decimation of jobs the decimation of livelihoods uh, the increase in poverty is just beyond belief uh, we expect that all the work that has been done between 2000 to 2020 has been wiped up in one year of covid impact and that oh, will wow. tell you how many people who are actually right at the bottom of the pyramid uh, constituting the last quarter 33% of the people are really struggling to even meet their basic needs of food water shelter oh boy Vidit Avishra Group is a holding company, and uh, I understand that. And there are many businesses under uh, this uh, holding company. What is it that happens, and uh, what are the ways that you engage with your TG? So, Hadik, when I started, uh, I this was I was a twenty-nine year old. I was a forester. I set up probably India's first incubator, and it is uh, running this incubator in Ahmedabad, where I was trying to convert farmers' idea into business. i stumbled on this issue that ideas are dime a dozen but the capital to support these ideas to become business is just absent there was there was mm-hmm. no venture capital or even if there was venture capital it was largely focused toward technology businesses very limited so even that was very limited and i'm talking about 2001 uh, the second thing i realized was uh, every talented person want to go from a village to a city from city to metropolitan town from metropolitan town to a new york or a, or uk or london wherever uh how do you actually bring that talent to these businesses even if you are able to bring capital so i my first the first attempt i made was setting up a venture fund called avishkar and mm-hmm. then i borrowed 1 lakh rupees uh, from my wife uh, to set up a company called intellectual capital the idea was that intellicap will attract talent and then uh, i'm a forester and we are we used to a word called ecosystem Mm-hmm. an ecosystem is essentially if you know go in a forest what you see is an ecosystem where everything is actually connected to everybody so you have uh, trees but you so everybody thinks about forest and thinks about trees but there are shrubs herbs there are actually uh, grass then there are animals there are mammals there are birds and uh, there are herbivore carnivore so everybody is connected to each other and that is what is known as a complex ecosystem that thrives that allows life to actually thrive and uh, same thing applies to businesses as well silicon valley is known as a great ecosystem because you have academicians entrepreneurs capital uh, all kinds of capital small capital venture capital angel investor uh, private equity late stage bulge bracket so everything is available and uh, so intellicap's job was how do you actually build an ecosystem specially in far flung difficult areas and how to bring people who are interested in this space together uh, avishkar's job was to provide capital and hand holding to entrepreneurs who wanted to build business mm-hmm. and one of the areas that i invested in initially was microfinance i was one of the first investors and a significant investor in microfinance 
And then in 2010, uh, Andhra Pradesh government took a very, very strong action, uh, effectively killing all the microfinance business. And at that mm. point of time, because of uh, this uh, uh, challenging environment in Andhra Pradesh, microfinance institutions all across India were not being lent at by new institutions, by banks. And therefore, they all started struggling. And at that point of time, I decided to actually buy a microfinance institution, which was shutting down uh, in Calcutta called Arohan. And with mm-hmm. my partner, Manoj Nambiar, we actually have scaled that up. So that business was at, at that point of time, 28 crores in total uh, asset value. We have taken it to five, 4,500 odd crores now, uh, which, is, uh, which is over seven years. And we have faced demonetization. We have faced COVID. In addition to that, we set up uh, another company called uh, Ashu. Ashu is actually a technology-led company. Uh, micro small enterprise lending company so if you are looking for a microfinance institution normally lend between 20000 rupees to 1 lakh rupees and uh, anything above 1 lakh to around 50 lakh rupees we lend through uh, ashwa then avishkar provides capital from anything from 1 crore to 100 crores uh, and uh, intellicap actually help people to raise money from 50 crores to 500 crores so basically what we do is we help entrepreneurs, uh, whether you want to actually start a vegetable vending, basically buy vegetable and sell vegetable. So we provide microfinance loan. If mm-hmm. you want to start a slightly larger business and needs capital without collateral, then we provide loans through uh, Ashwa. And if you actually want to really build a scalable business that makes uh, creates thousands of jobs, builds livelihoods, uh, create real impact and also makes money and can become very large. You want to build a 500 crore, 1000 crore, 2000 crore company. Then we provide equity between 10 to 100 crores from Amishkar. And if you have actually built a company, let's say if you have, re- you have reached a turnover of 100 crores and you want to raise 500 crores from somebody, then IntelliCap provides investment banking and support services. So we have basically built an entire uh, chain of institutions that provide capital to all kinds of entrepreneurs, not just the sophisticated, uh, incubated entrepreneurs. It's brilliant that you've been able to plug in all the gaps uh, in the target group that you're supporting and trying to help out and probably creating impact for millions of across people across the Asian Africa region. Um, But when you started out, uh, was this a very purist view that the world will be a better place because of what I'm doing? And especially when you come in from the region that you mentioned, which is in, I think in Orissa that you were originally belonging from the forest. Um, From there to, you know, raising money, you did not have a business background to understanding finance and things like that. Uh, How has your views, how has your perspective evolved over this period? I think, Hardik, there is a benefit of being a forester. (laughs) Uh, you are intellectually not inclined to think too much. Uh, So when you live in a forest, if you are faced with an elephant, (laughs) there is not much time to think because if you intellectualize the problem, the elephant will be on top of you and so (laughs) I think you are better off to turn and run as fast as possible. So Mm -hmm. that's the advantage of being a forester. Probably that's the advantage I carried. So Uh, I used to, I come from Banaras, Varanasi. I was born in Jodhpur, Rajasthan. So I've lived across India. My first job was, I'm a pass out from Indian Institute of Forest Management. Mm -hmm. And my first Mm -hmm. job was in Orissa. 
Now, living in the forest, I felt very happy, but then I got married and my wife didn't find the forest as enchanting as I did. <laughs> so, she gave me an ultimatum, uh, forest or wife, and I chose wife. So, I actually <laughs> started looking for jobs. Uh, very difficult to find a job for a forester. I uh, am mm-hmm. Ahmedabad was looking for a person who has lived in the forest and worked for a corporate. I probably was the only Indian amongst the billion of us qualified. So I landed up in IIM Ahmedabad, did some research, mm-hmm. uh, realized I'm not really cut out to sit behind a computer and type papers. So so I quit. And when I was quitting, the professor I worked with asked me, what will you do? I said, I really don't know, but I can't type papers. So he said, oh, there's government of Gujarat is setting up an incubator now. Nobody in 1997 knew what an incubator was. Uh, it was not a concept that was very uh, easy or easily known in India. But I am Ahmedabad had done some research and some studies on an incubator. So I read about them, went for the interview. Uh, I applied for the post of manager. I was 26 years old. I had no experience. So I thought manager was a good position. Uh, but the government couldn't find anybody and basically asked me, would you want to be the CEO? So at 26 years, 10 months, I became the CEO of probably India's first incubator. That was uh, serendipity and as uh, <laughs> accidental as one gets. Again, at 26 years, 10 months, I knew for a fact that if I don't deliver something, I will be kicked out of the job very quickly. So I started looking out for all the farmers' ideas. I am Ahmedabad used to actually scout and collect these farmers' ideas. I mm-hmm. picked seven of them. Uh, there was a tilting bullock cart. There was, uh, there was a cotton stripping machine. Now, generally, just to give you an idea, cotton that grows in dry land, generally uh, is uh, local cotton and this cotton mm-hmm. unlike uh, so the kernel of the cotton actually holds on to the cotton mm-hmm. uh, so that dry winds do not make the cotton fly away this is a natural evolution when you go for uh, hybrid cotton or, or evolved cotton the kernel opens and you can just pluck the cotton out so in this old kind of cotton uh, when you harvest the cotton women and children actually have to sit and pluck the cotton out of the kernel And we are talking about thousands of tons of cotton. So you require hundreds and thousands of people to actually do this plucking. Uh, And child labor is involved. So this is actually not a very good thing to happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. Rain can come anytime and there is no storage space. So there are many challenges. So innovators were coming up with different kinds of ways to actually solve this mechanically. And my job was to convert these crude ideas into excellent machines and then convert them into business. So I can, I worked on seven such ideas as an innovator. My problem was I didn't have money. Uh, so when you, how do you support them? I had access to National Institute of Design, etc. Because I was government, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I was able to actually get some money from government of India through a program called Technopreneur Promotion Program, and use that money to convert seven of these innovations into business, including a three-wheel convertible four-wheel tractor. Uh, as I became uh, more and more confident. I realized that uh, the challenge was not with the idea. The challenge was with capital. And uh, Mm -hmm. lack of capital was a bigger challenge than lack of ideas because Indians carry, in my view, 12 ideas in their back pocket. So (laughs) the important thing was making risk capital available. But then I also realized that just giving capital to an innovator will not solve the problem because innovator is not an entrepreneur. They can Mm. come up with great ideas on product, but they cannot market it. They cannot sell it. They don't build a business. They don't understand capital structure. So you require talent, which is coming from, let's say, IMM Dabad or wherever. Not Mm. necessarily IMM Dabad, but because I was at IMM Dabad, I always used to think about them. 
Mm-hmm. And I realized that uh, I am Ahmedabad guys don't want to work in the village. So, <laughs> so how do you then look around? So I started actually initially using IntelliCap, importing people from Western countries. So I brought in a lot of people from Harvard, Wharton, etc., ah. telling them that I can actually give you a great opportunity to work with rural India and change the world. And uh, uh, this is this. So they came in. And with their influence and those, therefore, I always aspire to bring people who are way better, way better equipped than me, way smarter than me. And I will pay them 10,000 rupees a month or 15,000 rupees a month. Mm. Uh, but I will give them an exposure that they were completely not available. It was not available in US, it was not available in UK uh, and not even in India. So that kind of exposure was seen as extremely valuable by these guys. So I brought in a lot of people from US, UK, Germany. Make them work for me in Japan, Mongolia, China. Wow. Uh, till, the, till the time, Government of India, I think sometime around 2007 or 8, increased the stipend level and said, you can only bring in a foreigner if you are willing to pay them, I think, 25,000 or 30 lakh. 25 or 30 lakhs. Okay. Uh, which, which, which is, uh, so now you actually really cannot bring in foreigners and pay them the kind of peanuts I used to pay. But at that <laughs> point of time, there was. So I used to, uh, I used to use... Uh, see, basically, the world has actually exploited our talent. Uh, I did not feel very bad exploiting their talent to solve uh, mm-hmm. my level of intellectual discomfort with the idea of business. And I so I learned and gained from them. They learned and gained from me. Most of them, the problem with them was they will come and go. But with so many foreigners coming and seeing and working for us, suddenly actually excited Indians also to work with us. Mm, and, uh, I agree. And so this is how I actually learned uh, simple osmosis uh, uh, and uh, I gained and uh, I think uh, finance is actually a very dumb business, frankly. I don't think it requires great intellectual capability. Most of the poor people understand finance. They know you have to earn money and the money that you earn, you have to spend less than that. Uh, Unfortunately, very smart guys in the world actually don't understand this. Especially if you are from a top uh, management school, I have realized most people coming from the best management schools do not understand this very basic concept that first you have to earn, then you have to spend. Uh, They expect salaries that are exponentially large and they can get away with with their contribution being very marginal in a large organization where the income is so large that their salary is just a fraction. Uh, so they think they are very smart, but in reality, when you put them in, with, in front of a real problem where money is a big constraint, most of these guys are not able to come up with any solution whatsoever. And this is actually a challenge, an intellectual challenge to all the young guys coming from, uh, because if you are really talented, show me that you have the capability to solve a real problem with the constraints of capital. Because if you want to become an entrepreneur, uh, building a dating program is not necessarily the best entrepreneurial capability. But solving mm. a real problem with the constraints of capital is what entrepreneurship is all about. That's incredible. I mean, uh, so many points to unpack there. But one thing that definitely stands out for me is uh, you do it, right? You do the problem solving and you actually do the hard work. You do the grind rather than investing it. Um, you are a big proponent of action, Vineet. And uh, you understand uh, you understand this more closely than others because you've been at the helm of you know constructing this industry. Uh, you've seen entrepreneurs firsthand going through the grind of setting up businesses and even with no background whatsoever, just like yourself. 
why is it that you say that finance is a dumb business especially when so much of talent is going in that business particularly and one thing i must add here is that uh, impact investing has has become such a I, i don't want to say fad unfortunately but 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 it has become a massive trend a global movement and a lot of sharp people want to do good they want to be associated with the good and they find that impact investment is like the way to go through rather than actually building a business Yeah, so I think uh, see, there's something uh, there's something called intellectual hierarchy. The entrepreneurship entrepreneurs are actually at the top of intellectual hierarchy, uh, and the investors are at the bottom of intellectual hierarchy. Uh, but on the resource hierarchy, reverse is true. Entrepreneurship sits at the bottom, and capital sits at the top. So mm-hmm. the game is where do you find more comfort when you are close to resources? or where you are close to intellectual hierarchy i think it's very natural and normal for smart people to actually not spend too much time trying to do hard work uh, they basically want to be closer to resources and so the larger the pool of money the larger easier and the lavisher life you will live and mm. uh, most people who want to come into impact investing actually want to have their cake and eat it too that means they want <laughs> to change people's life and want to live a good life as well and there is absolutely nothing wrong with it because mm. i actually genuinely believe young people should enjoy their life why should they actually struggle uh, but at the same time there is actually a bigger calling and that bigger calling is you can enjoy life because you have had the privilege of getting probably one of the best education but therefore there is a moral obligation on you to probably strive hard when you have the opportunity to solve some big problems now mm-hmm. you can solve that big problem by being close to resource because that's very critical and important remember that the world has 300 trillion dollars of capital and as paul polben led research which i was actually part of we mm-hmm. came up in 2018 with a with a report called better business better world we said if you want to change the world and when i say change the world you want to remove hunger poverty inequity uh, by 2030 you have to spend 2.5 trillion dollars every year in doing things which will make world a more equal place now 2.5 mm-hmm. trillion dollar is a lot of money because it's equal to india's gdp but it is inconsequential quantum of money if you look at the total capital of the world uh, actually i keep saying 300 trillion dollar the latest number is 400 trillion dollar wow. so what are we saying we are actually asking the world to spend 0.6.7% of the global capital pool every year on things that will make world a equal place and why would you not want to work in this space why would you not join the movement of impact why would you not actually want to challenge the global hierarchy and just take away a little to change the world like it has never been before and i think that's really the call i'm making to the intellectually sound young people who really want to uh, do well but at the same time want to see a good world uh, the choice is yours uh, i think you should look at some big problems and try to solve them uh, last 20 years of work that we have done has created impact investing so at least there is capital and there is a desire for people to help you one of the things that you know often strikes me is when we talk about uh, social businesses and enterprises and mission driven businesses uh, the social angle often has a stigma associated with it uh, correct me if i'm wrong because i i belong to uh, a perspective where i believe social is definitely doing good but it is non profit what what have your observations been in with the word associations the language associations that we have in the sector 
So, uh, Hardik, uh, semantics is a very big issue. Uh, if you actually are not from IIT IM, a lot of funds won't give you money. <laughs> it doesn't mean that IIT IM guys are better entrepreneurs. It's True. just that they have more access to resources. True. And the world is like that. If you are a son of a rich person, uh, better colleges will admit you, uh, better people will interact with you, more capital will go to you. If this is actually a natural privilege. That's the meaning of word privilege. Now, when you have privilege, when you have this capability, uh, your job is to actually ask yourself this question. Uh, being rich and becoming richer, is that a more fulfilling objective? Or being rich and helping others to become better, equally good, uh, is that a more fulfilling, fulfilling profit? So if you want to leave a legacy, if you want to stand out, if you want to make a difference, uh, then there is a great opportunity for you to think differently. Now, Thinking differently, does it mean you are a socialist? This means you want to be a Jholawala. That means you don't want to drive a flashy car. Answer is no. Vinit drives a Ford Endeavor for the last 15 years. I drive 1,000 kilometers. I drive very fast. I travel across the globe. Uh, of course, I personally don't fly business class, but my colleagues do fly business class because we can afford <laughs> it now. Okay. I, but that, that's my personal choice if I don't fly business class. If I fly business class, that's also fine. I don't actually have any moral judgments on what I do. Uh, I do not believe there is any reason for anybody in the world to have a moral judgment on you if you want to have a good life while helping people. Uh, and if somebody has a moral judgment, you should just invite them to do what you're doing and they will shut up. So uh, I think when you are taking a position where you want to help others, uh, you have to develop a slightly thick skin and ignore barbs and comments that will come your way just because you're doing a business that is doing good along with making money with you. And this is a challenge in a, in a, in a very complex society like India. Uh, everybody wants to be rich, but the easiest thing everybody wants is to pull down a rich guy. <laughs> so mm. both the things, this contradictory thought process have existed for hundreds of years. It will take some time to go away. Uh, but I think uh, uh, we, we, we have to be very clear who we are and where we are going. And so personally, I, when I became an uh, impact investor, I challenged some of these very theoretical constructs where people said, oh, you have to wear a kurta only. I do wear kurta, by the way. But mm. I also wear a T-shirt and I don't have any shame in wearing a T-shirt uh, mm. to meetings as well because that's how I am and that's who I am. So if you want to talk to me, talk to my work, not necessarily to what I wear, what I drink, where I go, how I live. Uh, and therefore social, every business in the world is social. I mean, tell me which business is antisocial uh, other than growing mm. tobacco and probably making cigarettes and drugs. Um mm. So, social is not a bad word. Uh, we need to just be careful to not make it so difficult for young people to come into the space, which is good for the masses. So, I think a lot of people have sort of been enslaved by terminologies, right? I think uh, people want to enter the impact investing space uh, and they understand this space before they actually get down to doing the work while you can do all the research you understand this space by talking to a lot of experts but uh, do you think it's it hits you differently once you're on the ground running talking to entrepreneurs uh, understanding businesses dealing with their problems and issues so i think hardik it's very critical and important for people to understand that investing is actually about sharing your experience and using your experience to put the capital so if you are very fresh and young uh, I normally recommend to young people to not join funds. It's not the smartest use of their talent because okay. you cannot advise an entrepreneur 
whom you are giving money or whom you are analyzing uh, simply because you have never done it. So if I don't know how to run a shop, how do I actually advise or I have not, not done it or I have not experienced it? How do I advise an entrepreneur and what do I advise him? Uh, the maximum that you can do is make a financial model or an Excel sheet. But an Excel sheet is a very manipulative activity. You can do whatever you want in an Excel sheet. So having a skill and having the experience are two different things. A large number of young folks confuse skills as an exceptional gift that they have gained. Yes, your skill is very important, uh, but that skill does not build a good business. The skill only helps you uh, build a pathway for the business. So you are far more useful to a social enterprise or an impact enterprise or an enterprise, either of the three. All hmm. the three actually are going to make a big difference. If you know how to manage people, which is a very higher order skill, an Excel sheet does not teach you how to manage people. If you know how to deal with a problem when you have very limited choices in front of you, and then you become an investor, you have stories to share to regale young entrepreneurs of how to deal with challenges. Uh, but if you really don't have a story and you can only ask questions, uh, then remember that that's the lowest end skill and it will not make you a great investor ever. You know, uh, uh, fresh grads from top B schools often choose uh, iBanking and funding route, uh, capital, uh, you know, uh, to pursue and invest with entrepreneurs. Uh, what is your take on uh, the subject of consultants? Um, and especially when they consult billion dollar uh, CEOs and, and enterprises and with the logic that you just mentioned about having the experience and sharing it with people. Uh, here, you have someone who's in their mid 20s, late 20s, uh, consulting someone who's in their 60s. Uh, what's your take on this? No, so uh, Hardik, we have to be very careful uh, to not uh, typecast people. Uh, see, consulting is, uh, what is consulting? In consulting, generally what you do is you collect a lot of data about the business and then try to use the data and uh, to find out insights about the business and then articulate that back to the CEO who probably has... 30 years more experience than you. But the skill of extracting the data, uh, synthesizing and taking out insights from it and articulating it back to the entrepreneur, the entrepreneur doesn't know. Hmm. So the consultant's job is not to be that he or she can run the business better. The consultant's job is to actually, in a scientific manner, extract the data, present it back in a manner that is decisive or decision-focused to the hmm. entrepreneur who probably is in the best position to take the right decision. Uh, and that's the consultant role. The consultants do not take decisions. They actually give you a pathway using your own data and information. Hmm. So hmm. a consultant doesn't know how to run a company better. They know how to extract data better, how to synthesize and talk to the data better and take things out and explain to you of what you should be doing going forward. The choice is left to the entrepreneur. And that's why consulting is very critical and important role uh, because uh, as you become larger and larger and business becomes complex, as entrepreneurs, when we are very close to business, it becomes very difficult for us to do the synthesis in a True. dispassionate manner. Especially True. That makes a lot of sense. Data 
that makes a lot of sense i think i think uh, one of the things that you mentioned earlier uh, is about creating an equitable world and and avishka group is trying vociferously for the past 20 years to create an equitable world um especially when you're dealing in a country like india where systems are broken infrastructure is not in place like you mentioned the 2010 incident uh, that happened for microfinance uh, how do you still keep going uh, what are the parameters what are the drivers what's the motivation for you to still keep going there so uh, hardik i think that's a it's a very easy choice uh, i mean i started with 100 dollars 5000 rupees uh, i managed a billion dollar with all the pain that we have taken in life uh, i am way better off than what i was 20 years back uh, i have in the process actually built companies not one not two not three not five not 10 60 70 companies i have supported hundreds and thousands of entrepreneurs in one way or the other we operate in india indonesia bangladesh sri lanka east africa uh, i have met and traveled prime ministers presidents across the globe uh, we are well recognized i have been on the cover of multiple magazines i mean what more would you want actually in a life uh, where you started off being a mediocre guy with very little reference to the life uh, trying to actually hang like a on the trees like a tarzan uh from there to here it's been a brilliant journey so motivations are actually intrinsic to you external environment should not really be dictating your motivations and if external environment you find it so challenging then you should not think of becoming an entrepreneur because my definition of entrepreneurship is that you as an entrepreneur first try to understand yourself and your limitations and then excel within those limitations the limitations could be yours the limitations could be of environment could be from the government could be from anywhere but excelling is within your excelling is the motivation and if you have to excel those limitations are imposing uh, they are challenging they are frustrating uh, but excelling is not frustrating so you have to excel within those limitations it may mean that i may not be as successful as somebody else uh, mm-hmm. it may surely mean that other people who had less to struggle may have done much better than i did but that actually you should i mean you if you start comparing yourself with others you will remain frustrated all your life so the mm-hmm. only fight i have is with me uh, the only challenge i see is to my to myself i don't waste my time on how good the other is doing uh, the grass is always greener on the other side how do you it's it's amazing because you sound so contented with what you are doing um and especially in a business which drives on giving results matching expectations of your investors you still sound so contented how are you meeting this equilibrium like what's your thought process i'm really curious to know no so i think the first thing is once you choose to be an entrepreneur and once you choose to be an investor you are continuously being judged every investment uh, could be a disaster could be brilliant even if it is successful people will say where is impact if it is very impactful people say where is money uh, <laughs> if it is both they will say have you returned the money have you sold it so you are always being questioned and judged and i think uh, you have to simply accept that whatever you will do you'll be questioned a lot of people actually find criticism uh, uh, and get very offended by criticism uh, for me criticism is actually the fuel to move forward Uh, and also to be aware uh, i think to be successful you have to be very schizophrenic about where you are and so i am actually uh, generally very schizophrenic but if you are schizophrenic you need to at the same time be very calm so i am actually i use a very oxymoronish co- quote yeah. saying i have to be um, impatiently patient <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. so 
So you have to be impatient with certain things and you have to be very patient in others. Unfortunately, when you become, uh, when you become, uh, if you are playing a role, which is a leader's role, uh, you have to be impatient in the manner you operate, but you have to be patient at the same time with others because they have not seen enough world. So they are actually discovering their own world. And life is, uh, I mean, I don't know if you have kids, Hardik, but if you see very young kids and you tell them not to put their finger into the socket they of will exactly that. electricity yeah. socket, the moment you take your eyes away, they will, they will do it. <laughs> Entrepreneurs and people, young people are like that. You tell mm. them what not to do, they will surely do what you will tell them not to do. Because they want to learn from their own mistakes. They don't For want to sure. learn from my mistakes. And, sure. uh, and we have to, therefore, grit our teeth and allow the entrepreneurs to do what they want. Uh, and when you do that, you are again being trained. You are being trained to keep your learnings to yourself. Uh, do advise, do tell the entrepreneur. Uh, my personal belief is you should always inform entrepreneurs, should always inform your juniors that you have gone through this. Uh, but just because you have gone through this, telling them not to do it is stupid uh, because they want their own experience. So let them do it. Uh, I call it, I will allow you to break your finger, sometimes your hand or leg also, but not your neck. So, mm. so my only, the only time I will actually come with a slightly heavy hand is when I think you will kill yourself. So then how would this impact capital be different from the mainstream capital, especially when you're talking about uh, letting people fall, letting people make their own mistakes, and especially in systems that you deal with, what would be some key differences there? So I, I think it's a very important question and a very simple and very, very complex at the same time. So first and foremost, every investment creates jobs, creates livelihoods. Uh, uh, I think if you look around, internet has made more changes than Avishkar will ever make. Telecom in India, Airtel has made more challenge changes in lives of poor people than Avishkar will ever make. So mm -hmm. one will say, should Airtel be the, um, or Jio should be the most biggest social enterprise? That actually <laughs> could be one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is, uh, yes, there will be mainstream innovations and they will probably make bigger differences in the lives of people. But a significant portion of the population will struggle to come into the mainstream. Uh, even if these solutions are available and they would require specific interventions and those interventions when done through capital, where capital makes a statement. So, for example, Vinit Rai makes a statement that my capital, when it will be invested, your business should demonstrably show me how hmm. it is actually helping low income, poor farmers, etc. And uh, so I'm actually starting with a screen. So, for example, if you meet a technology fund, they will say, your business must have technology. Then only I'll talk to you, right? Similarly, we have impact as a screen. You must have impact at the core of you. Then I'll talk to you. And once the business is in, once we actually have made sure that your business actually does make impact, then we look at the same questions that a mainstream investor look at. Are you scalable? Are you solving a great problem? Do you have a great team? Would you be able to actually solve this profitably? Uh, what kind of mode do you have? What kind of uh, time you have? All those kinds of classical questions that any investors are, we ask as well. I think mm -hmm. the screen is different. Uh, and because our screen is different, at the end outcome that we are looking at is we continue to focus that your business must not change in a manner that the reason why we invested changes as well. So we are very, very cognizant of the fact that we will not invest in a business which when scaled will start serving some other some other people i see
I see. Okay. Um. So when you when you talk about let's say the life cycle of a certain fund, uh, in in the regular venture capital world, it might be let's say for example eight to ten years, six to ten years for example a period. Uh, but does that period also apply to impact investing, or the timelines are significantly higher than this? So I think uh, I'm mean, impact investing and investing are the same thing. We actually follow the same structures. Okay. We have structures in Mauritius. We have structures in alternate investment funds. We are category one, category two. So we can actually form any structure uh, at the same time. So we we also follow the same mandates. For example, how would you get money? You will get two percent fee, less than two percent fee. Sometimes uh, you get twenty percent carry. We also get twenty percent carry. Just that we are looking at investing in businesses, uh, and as large number of time, our businesses also have very strong technology element. Uh, so we are also looking at businesses where Axel is a co-investor, Chirate is a co-investor, Sequoia is a co-investor. Uh, and the the difference we will bring is we are ushering in new sectors. For example, mm. microfinance. Today, everybody mm. is invested in microfinance. Avishkar specializes in microfinance. Today, everybody is invested in agri-tech. Avishkar started agri-tech investing. 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11. Of course, 2017, 18, 19, 20, everybody is invested. So we we basically predate a lot of these uh, uh, areas by 7 years, 10 years, 12 years because we realize these are very large spaces. So for example, financial inclusion is a huge space. Uh, hmm. Microfinance today is a $45 billion industry. Now, when I started, the total microfinance in India was 100 crores. That's actually less wow. than $15 million. So wow. I have seen the journey from 15 million to 45 billion. Similarly, agriculture. It was very obvious in 2007 and 8 that Indian agriculture needs a disruption. Now, nobody in investing was actually looking at agriculture, but it was very obvious to us. Agriculture is just so huge that it can build 100 unicorns why would you ignore that sector? So we started investing in agriculture. And uh, suddenly, uh, once we invested in one, two, three, five companies, uh, many other investors also started seeing the same potential. And India, therefore, globally is a very unique market. It is the only market in worldwide which has demonstrated that impact investing can build the future for mainstream investing. Uh, and I keep saying impact investing role is not to be a small niche, but to convince the mainstream to do impact investing. So Lovely. our real role is not to be the tail of the dog, but to be the dog itself, which means we, don't itself. Want to be, mm. yeah, we want the whole of mainstream, the entire $300 trillion to actually ask itself is this question. Do we actually create jobs and employments? Do we keep the earth sustainable? Do we actually treat male and female equal? Do we actually create gender parity, gender diversity, gender neutrality? Is the world a better place to live because we exist or we are richer and the world is poorer? I think that question is what has to go in the minds of every person who controls capital. And that's really the end ambition of impact investing. Fantastic. I mean, uh, to me, it seems like, you know, capital always finds a way of applying itself and being useful. Um Do you think that is the case as well? That mainstream guys you mentioned in the same breath as Avishkar, like, Axel and Chirate and, and Sequoia, uh, they would, I mean, probably not look at anything beyond tech businesses. And now that you mentioned microfinance as a space that are already invested in, really goes to show as a vote of confidence, the traction that the sector is gaining thanks to efforts of individuals like you. 
Yeah, so I, I think, uh, Hardik, you have to be aware that whether it is Excel or Sequoia or Chirate, while they are looking at tech businesses, but technology is playing a most important uh, role in the change that we are seeking as a Vishkar. So there is actually a, if you want to actually disrupt agriculture, how do you do it? Without technology, it's impossible to disrupt agriculture. So there are hundreds of companies that are coming up in technology, which is coming for the technology background. And uh, there is a huge disruption that the agriculture sector will see. And that's the marriage. Similarly, financial inclusion or microfinance scale would have not been possible uh, without actually the jam trinity. I mean, without actually Jandhan uh, and mobile, uh, there was no potential possibility without UPI, without other things. There was just no possibility of doing the scale of financial inclusion that we have achieved. So technology and impact actually go hand in hand. And because Mm. technology and impact, we are talking about billions of people and therefore hundreds of billions of dollars in terms of size and scale, every fund worth its salt uh, will want to play, uh, have, will want to actually have a a small slice of this cake, uh, which is called impact investing. Now, they may not come in it because they are looking at impact. They may come in it because they actually see a very large return potential. While we uh, go into these businesses because we see a very large impact potential. So Avishka's aspiration is to promote impact unicorns, which is can you impact the lives of a billion people? And Hmm. uh, maybe other investors are looking at unicorns that have billion dollar valuation pre-listing. So I think it's just a different way of looking at it. Uh, we are actually committed to this side. They are committed to that side. But ultimately, we are both looking at scale. We are both looking at technology. And we are both looking at disruption. But I think the lens is entirely different, right? I think you are impact first led uh, vis-a-vis those guys. That will continue to remain because that's our mandate. Money is a money is a game of mandates. So, Hardik, you have to just understand. Money has no value on its own. It has mandates. Mm. So, when people give money... Uh, they have very clear idea. I want to make 30% return or I want you to deliver impact or I want you to make sure that climate change happens or Elon Musk take this money and find place in Mars for human beings to live. So money is a game of mandates and their mandate is different from ours. But like God and religion, it does not matter. There is only one God. We are following Mm. different paths to the same God. And ultimately, I don't think so. Anybody in Sequoia or Axel will say that they don't want to see impact or change. If they all want to see impact and change, it is just that their fiduciary responsibility is to see technological disruption and capital uh, as the priority. For Avishkar, the responsibility is that uh, the impact has to be very deeply tied down to the change that we are seeing. So are you looking for businesses uh, that entrepreneurs start that should be fundamentally uh, sound businesses with good revenue model or in the course of time, you help shape the revenue models of uh, the businesses that are started as well? So I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, This will probably help your uh, young audience actually understand what. So let's look outside. What is the big problem? So in 2012, 2011, a partner, I I basically hired a gentleman called Ajay Maniar as my partner. Mm-hmm. Ajay came from Citibank. Uh, he had never traveled north of India's, <laughs> uh, a Bombay boy. And so he asked mm-hmm. me, Vineet, how do we invest? I mean, what is impact investing? I'm not able to understand. In City, I never looked at a company less than 50 crores. Uh, and forget about UP Bihar. I mean, where is UP Bihar? How do I actually deal with it? 
So I said, let's actually look out. So look out of the window and see and tell me, do you see any challenge outside? So we were, I think, passing by a huge mound of waste. And he said, see, dekho kitna kachra hai. see look outside, such a waste, so, so bad and all. So I said, okay, so impact investing is if you can convert this waste into wealth. He said, oh, that's actually very interesting. But how do we do it? So we said, let's actually do a drive from Mumbai. We drive, we will go from Mumbai to uh, Jharkhand and come back. And let's try to meet 15, 20, 30 people. And uh, he said, by the way, waste is actually government's job, municipality's job. I said, fine. Mm. Uh, uh, he said, so why would a private person do it? And if he or she will do it, they will actually be paid by the government that will bring corruption and all kind of negativity. So I said, okay, that's a boundary condition. Let's assume for a minute, we can find an entrepreneur who can convert waste into wealth without getting paid by the government. So this became our challenge statement. Hmm. And so, uh, Vineet and Ajay went on a tour, <laughs> traveled for, I think, seven, ten or seven, eight, seven or ten days from mm-hmm. here to Jharkhand and back. Uh, and came back, uh, came back looking for, uh, looking for such entrepreneurs, met 20, 30 of them, different, different models, social entrepreneurs, complete not-for-profits, some for-profits. And then finally, we met two young guys who were trying to work with rag pickers in Ahmedabad. Uh, and they were effectively doing a business, uh, recycling business, which you can also call a kabadi business, but doing it in a very honest, ethical, transparent manner, working with rack pickers, buying their, so when rack pickers are people who will go into a large mound like Devnar, etc., pick out plastic, they will bring back, these guys will provide very transparent uh, weighing, buy it from them, then actually clean them, clean the waste, etc., and then give it to recyclers to convert it into mud guards, etc., now, we gave them uh, three crores uh, as an investment. Uh, it looked very stupid because you're effectively giving three crores for Kabadi business. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, these two guys were smart. Uh, they used our three crores to buy a lot of waste. That means they converted cash into a lot of waste uh, in a very quick time. And then they also discovered that converting waste into cash again is a very difficult job, especially if you have mm. used three crores to do that. A fire happened and all our money became ash. <laughs> So, so we then had a conversation between entrepreneur and us. These entrepreneurs were completely distraught. <laughs> three, nobody gives three crores for waste. It's more so if you have burnt it all. So, and this is where our impact investor characteristics come out. I actually, along with Ajay, sat with the entrepreneurs and we said, listen, guys, we gave you three crores and you were not able to actually even turn that into wealth, uh, which means there is some challenge that you are facing. Tell us, is there a way for you? And they were doing a few hundred kgs at that time in terms of processing. How do you go to what is the world's, India's waste, hundreds of millions of tons? So why don't you talk about tons? And I asked them, can you do 100 tons per day? First reaction was no. Then I gave them a month's time and I said, assume God will give you money. Come back with a solution. They came back with a thought process. We had to invest another 12 crores after burning our three crores. And this is all 2013-14. So I'm talking about seven years back. Make a guess what this company today does in terms of waste processing. It actually processes 600 tons of waste every day and should be doing 1,000 tons of waste. Wow, Uh, that's huge. We are actually right now doing 300 crores of turnover. And we expect for them to cross thousands of crores of turnover. Uh, they do not get a single penny paid by the government. In fact, they pay to the government 
and then they create wealth. Now, this is to me uh, is real impact investing. You created wealth, you have cleaned the city, you are saving. Pet- Remember, plastic is actually all petroleum. India export imports petroleum. So we are actually create, saving petroleum foreign exchange. We are actually recycling waste. We are cleaning our cities and we are making the world sustainable. What beautiful business model uh, and making thousands of crores. So, oh, so that's absolutely. really what impact investing is just as an idea. Vinit, it's incredibly gratifying to hear the kind of impact while you as an investor were able to see uh, the entrepreneur themselves uh, must have expanded their horizon uh, while they were on this journey with you. No, no, I, I think the entrepreneurs at this point of time are actually uh, literally changing uh, the way India's waste is being handled. They are actually the leaders and they are also inspiring other entrepreneurs to come up and India's waste management will now see a fairly significant uh, change uh, in terms of uh, the kind of impact uh, that will be delivered with a cleaner and better India, uh, which is we all aspire for. Lovely. And when uh, entrepreneurs approach investors and investors uh, happen to speak with entrepreneurs, uh, do you see a communication gap in terms of the worldviews and how they interact? Yeah, so it's a, this is a natural challenge, but this challenge is being addressed significantly with the ecosystem that I talked about. Initially, when the entrepreneurs actually reach out to, to investors, investor had certain expectations, entrepreneur had certain expectations, and both the, both the side used to talk a very different language. Uh, but as entrepreneurs, as incubators have sprung up, as investment bankers have sprung up, uh, as a large number of angel investors have sprung up, more experienced people are actually going into uh, business building. There is a lot of education that has already taken place. Uh, remember that 10, 15 years back, there was no courses on venture capital. There was nothing really to understand read. True. Today, you can simply actually Google yourself and a lot of terms, term sheets, this, that. I actually distinctly remember I used to run a coaching class uh, on microfinance to teach entrepreneurs to deal with uh, deal with terms and questions. And uh, there was a term called drag along, right? And most people in microfinance thought you will drag me out of my house. Mm. So, so the, uh, for an investor, this was a very natural term. For the other person, it was a very offensive term. You will drag me. What do you mean by you will drag me? So, so <laughs> I think uh, nomenclatures matter. Uh, and uh, it, it's uh, there's a lot of education that has taken place. Uh, young entrepreneurs still struggle because they do not know what they are signing in because these are complex terms. But there are a large number of legal uh, luminaries also, large number of law firms that are also playing a role. So I think from an education perspective, today's entrepreneur and investors are far closer than they ever were. And what what are some things that entrepreneurs should be aware of beneath when they approach investors? And that's the part one. Part two is this, that how do businesses know that they should approach either impact investors or philanthropy or, you know, venture capital mainstream? Yeah, so I, I think the first thing an entrepreneur should know is uh, that they have a business plan that they build for themselves. Uh, invariably, a large number of entrepreneurs are building a business plan that they think the investor wants to see. That's the first recipe for not raising capital. Uh, It's very, very critical and important to build a business plan for yourself. Uh, It is possible you may actually get a lot of pushback from a lot of people. But if you have made the business plan for yourself, you should be able to explain it to investors. So that's actually the most important thing. The second thing is you must actually ask yourself as to the kind of vision you have 
the kind of capabilities you have built and the kind of experience you have. And if you genuinely believe your idea actually requires significant amount of capital, uh, then you should make a choice to go to venture capitalist. Uh, if you have also made some traction on the ground, uh, if you don't have any traction, go to angel investors. If you have traction, then go to venture capitalist. If you actually believe that you require significant amount of nurturing, somebody to work with you, uh, and you believe your business has significant impact potential, then you can come to an impact investor as well. But there is no hard and fast rule that you have to go to an impact investor or a venture capital fund. For sure, there is a hard and fast rule when to go for a private equity person because a private equity guy will not invest in a loss-making company. So until unless uh, you go to a tech investor uh, who's actually looking at a virality as a critical component in your business and you have demonstrated significant traction on your business model and your unit economics is there, a private equity venture uh, tech Private equity guy can invest in you even if you're loss making, but a bulge bracket private equity person will not invest in you unless you have a bottom line and a very evolved business model. You know, that's that's really exciting to hear, Vineet, but I also understand that you've had uh, an, a mentor, I should say, in the form of Mr. Vijay Mahajan, and he's played a crucial role in terms of shaping uh, how you operate. Uh, would you like to shed some light of how should people find mentors and, and uh, who should you follow versus not follow? So I, I think uh, mentors are important, but uh, one also should know that mentors are not, you can't actually just go and say, you become my mentor. A lot of people come to me also say, become my mentor. But first you have to have a chemistry and both the sides should understand each other. Vijay Mahajan was actually uh, probably a hero for a lot of us uh, in the impact investing slash social enterprise space. He's the founder of Pradhan, founder of Basics. Uh, is credited with around uh, nurturing at least hundreds of entrepreneurs, social entrepreneurs, etc. Uh, distinguished alumni from IIT Delhi. Uh, I think uh, one of the toppers from IIM Ahmedabad, a Woodrow Wilson scholar. Uh, wow. An exceptional talent, can sing, can dance, can talk uh, Shakespeare <laughs> and discuss uh, Newton's uh, and Einstein's uh, theories as well in the same breath all laws of thermodynamics. So, wow. so exceptional talent. He's, he's, just, he's just a gifted human being. Uh, uh, I actually, I consider him as my mentor is simply because he was one person who was willing to listen to uh, my views uh, and give his advice dispassionately, uh, but never insist on me following his advice. And I think that's a very, very critical and important role of a mentor. A mentor mm -hmm. is not your boss. A mentor is somebody who is very patiently willing to listen to you and give his or her advice, but let you do what you want to do. Uh, and uh, I think in my case, the reason why Vijay Mahajan is, uh, is quite an outstanding uh, mentor is because he gave me that space. Uh, he did not actually tell me what to do. He allowed me to do, even if it was different from what he thought. And I looked at Vijay uh, not only because he was exceptional and he was very successful, uh, but I also learned from him of what I should not do. Uh, because okay. when you have a mentor who's actually brilliant, successful, uh, and exceptional, uh, you realize how mediocre you are. Uh, but as you are mediocre, you also have other strengths. <laughs> because mediocrity uh, makes you look at a slightly more horizontal, you actually trust other people. Uh, while people who are brilliant sometimes can actually do everything themselves. So I learned from seeing him that how uh, I cannot do everything like him. So let me actually mm. find people who are better than me. 
uh, and then build a team that actually will uh, make me look better than who I am. And and I think, uh, so you learn both your positives from your mentor and you gain from their negatives as well. Uh, Vijay Mahajan has actually, by the way, just this is not to say Vijay Mahajan didn't build a brilliant team. He has actually probably built one of the most astonishing teams mm-hmm. anywhere. But what I realized is how I can learn and gain from uh, how he operated. And he allowed me to learn and gain uh, and uh, also actually supported me uh, whenever we were down, chips were down. It's just an observation that I have, Vinny, that when you come from nothing, um, you generally tend to absorb a lot more because you are unaware of a lot of things in the process. Um, so, for example, when you come from a background like you do, which is being a forester, to now running uh, or to now being a financier, um, that journey sort of probably helps you understand, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you are not good at a lot of things. Uh, there are people who are good at what they do and I think it's important to have them on board. The reason why I say this is because uh, I think in one of your interviews, you mentioned that you are not a numbers guy. You are an ecosystem guy. Uh, Hardik, I think number is a very natural corollary to uh, uh, to Indians, uh, especially people like me. I was always very good with numbers. Uh, but part of it is because that's how we used to play games. So number mm. was not, but I think finance is way beyond numbers. Uh, finance is also actually understanding how money moves, the moods of money, uh, mandates of money. So it's slightly more intricate and complex at some level. Uh, and if you don't come from the money world, if you don't come from banking and finance and others, it's very difficult to break into the coterie. So I think it's less about how intelligent I am. It is more about actually having access. And uh, so if you actually are from IIM Ahmedabad and work for Goldman Sachs, your access to money will be far superior to a guy who worked from IFM and lived in a forest. So very it's true. as simple as that. Uh, like I would actually be able to see an elephant and tell uh, which way it will run. <laughs> uh, a Goldman Sachs guy will never be able to figure it out. Howsoever right mm-hmm. that person is. True. Same applies to them. So it's not that they are better than me. They just simply have access to capital, which I don't have. I have access to elephants. Uh, and uh, I can beat them at that game anytime. <laughs> so so I have always believed there is nobody. Everybody has got 160 gram of uh, gray matter. And uh, the utilization of that gray matter is just different. So somebody becomes a poet, somebody becomes a financier, somebody becomes an airline pilot, somebody becomes an army guy. And I became a forester and I actually never saw it as a negative in my life. I actually saw it as a very strong point because I could see the world from a very different point of view than other guys who all saw the world in the same light. They could see dollars, dollars. I could see the elephants, the lions, the humans, the... Uh, the poor, the rich. And I think that actually helps you. I just had a wider perspective than people coming from finance background. So what are some what are some principles that you live by, uh, some mental models that you live by that you share with your team members at Avishkar as well? So uh, uh, I actually, uh, so one simple thing is believe in yourself because uh, do not waste your time thinking or looking at what others are doing because the market goes uh, a lot by hype. Uh, and uh, there is a lot of uh, fear for missing out. Uh, I actually have no fear of missing out. I don't believe the world actually goes up and down uh, because you missed out something. So mm-hmm. the world doesn't change. Uh, over a 10-year period, over a 20-year period, which is what impact investing is, 
uh, you are never going to miss out. You're, you will miss out some and you will actually be participating in some. So please do not actually try to chase uh, simply because something is hyped at this point of time. So have confidence and faith in your own thinking. That's actually the most important message. The second message is try to make sure that you are learning and exploring your weaknesses. I think a lot of people are actually very aware of their strong points, but not aware of their weaknesses. Uh, I personally emphasize a lot on trying to understand your weaknesses so that you can at least know uh, what you don't know. And uh, knowing what you don't know will help you uh, work with those uh, those who know what you don't know. And uh, mm -hmm. most people do not understand that. So it's very, very critical and important is to understand your weak points and know what you don't know so that you can bring those who can make you better. You also have a philosophy of uh, listening plus doing is greater than talking. <laughs> so when you are listening, you have to do a yes or a no. Uh, and uh, if you are actually in doubt, uh, then you will normally let people hang for a very long period of time. And uh, that is not good for the other side. So a quick no or a quick yes is better. Then, uh, so first you listen to them, uh, then try to make up your mind. If you are in a maybe zone, uh, you are better off saying no. Uh, let the person move on. Uh, don't let them hang. And so uh, action could be in terms of saying yes or no as an investor. Action mm -hmm. could also be actually moving forward and uh, going to the field in case you are in a maybe situation. So, okay, say I'm not in a position to say yes or no, but let me come to your field and see what is going on so that I can make up my mind to say yes or no. But uh, act fast, take positions fast and uh, decide fast. That uh, That's very important. Talking is the easiest thing, but that's not going to actually change any life. So listening and doing probably makes a bigger difference than talking about making a difference. Well, I beg to differ on that because the kind of information that you shared and the conversation that we are having, that it is one person that is being impacted is definitely me. Uh, so I have to disagree respectfully with that bit. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there who will find this conversation incredibly valuable. One point that I must ask you is that uh, you are uh, playing a pivotal role in setting up the social stock exchange program in a country. Uh, could you elaborate on that a little bit, please? So, Hardik, I, I was on the committee. The social stock exchange was a commitment made by the finance minister on the floor of the house in the Indian parliament. And honorable finance ministers is the one who is playing the, who is the pivot. Uh, we were all actually small players. I was part of the SEBI committee uh, that actually opined on the, or basically tried to put together a thought process around how this will operate. Uh, I'm actually very delighted that uh, SEBI has cleared uh, the the report and it has actually allowed. And some of the most important changes are uh, social venture funds are now being called social impact funds or basically impact funds, which is actually a category that exists uh, and can be used to actually raise equity, raise a fund and then can actually do both grant debt and equity from the same fund, which is actually quite unique. There's not many structures in the world that can do it. Uh, there is also uh, the whole exchange uh, and there is actually a large number of very good uh, pointers that we have given to the government to implement so that social stock exchange will encourage not-for-profits to raise capital as well as for-profits to raise capital. Look, uh, not-for-profits do a lot of work to build the country. For example, mm -hmm. feeding a hungry child, uh, creating jobs for those who are destitute, etc., etc. That cannot be done with a business model. Saving, a, saving the girl child, that cannot be done through a business model. 
And so mm-hmm. people require to raise capital, but that capital has to come from people. And people want to know if the company that is raising the money, not for profit also, uh, is it transparent, well-governed? Is it using my money for the purpose it is saying? And SEBI, because it is going to be on social stock exchange, there will be disclosures, norms, audits, etc., which will make sure and there will be penalty. I think the most important thing is in case you actually err, then there is a penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. If you do all this, uh, then there is a chance that... Uh, and so basically what we are saying is we are talking about raising an, a not-for-profit, actually launching a zero-coupon perpetual uh, income bonds, basically going to the people and say, you give me money, this money will come to me as a bond, I will use this bond to actually, let's say, feed one million children, and I will report to you on a quarterly basis like any other company reports, or what I have done, where the money has gone, how it has been done, and in case you have actually, if you find our disclosures uh, uh, not good, you can actually complain against us to SEBI. Uh, now, mm. that really is what uh, the social stock exchange will do for the not-for-profits and for the for-profits also. Similarly, if you are actually a very impactful company and you actually list on social stock exchange, we are hoping there will be incentives for investors to participate in such companies uh, so that uh, it is actually lucrative for them uh, to attract global capital to India. So, is this open for all retail investors as well? Yes, there are some accreditation norms that will apply to people. So, for example, uh, I think there are some, some norms that have been uh, specified. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another mm-hmm. committee which has worked on the technical parameters of the norm, those norms. Uh, but all that is now in public domain. So, you're absolutely right. Most people can participate, but there are certain levels of uh, just because there are high risk. That means you're giving money and nothing will come mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to be very careful that you should have the capability to take that risk. So when does this actually become live? It, it has actually been approved. I think it's just now a matter of time it'll go live. So Fantastic. this is now formally been cleared and approved by SEBI. Fantastic. Um, so what are you pursuing, Vineet? What What's the goal that's driving you now? Well, uh, there are two, three goals. One is uh, we just, uh, during the COVID period, we launched, first time in my history, we launched uh, Avishkar Foundation. Avishkar Foundation is actually the only not-for-profit part of the group. Everything else is for-profit. And the reason we launched Avishkar Foundation is we realized that uh, despite doing everything, we just did not know how to feed the hungry when they were walking, migrants were walking back. How do you contribute and participate when people were hungry? So we pooled capital uh, Personally, all the 7,000 employees contributed and uh, then the company, the Avishkar group also contributed. So we raised three crores and then we helped actually to feed people. And we believe now that uh, Avishkar Foundation's ambition is to actually build an entrepreneurial ecosystem in Eastern UP. I come from Eastern UP mm-hmm. and the neighboring areas. We want to build a very strong entrepreneurial ecosystem uh, because Eastern UP also has one of the worst human development indices as well. So if we are able to actually create significant jobs, we can create a significant economic activity, build an entrepreneurial uh, ecosystem. Uh, Then uh, we might have contributed like I'm doing for the rest of India. I would have probably done on a concentrated basis for the uh, the state or area that I come from. So that's Eastern Mm -hmm. UP. That's actually one big ambition. And my ultimate ambition would be if we are able to create an entrepreneurial university 
uh, in eastern UP that will hopefully spur entrepreneurship in that entire area. I think the north and east of India lags way behind the west and south of India. And we need to create more academic and uh, uh, local entrepreneurial activity to do that. So that's one ambition. The second ambition is to, by 2030, play a significant role in the in the delivery of sustainable development goals, which is an agreement of 193 governments of the world to imagine a, imagine a universe uh, where there is no hunger, no poverty, no inequity by 2030. So if we can contribute significantly, today we manage close to 9,000 crores. Uh, is it possible for us to actually be managing uh, roughly 1 lakh crore by 2030? And this with this uh, 1 lakh crore roughly actually... Uh, contributing or impacting at least a billion people uh, some way or the other. So these are some of the aspirations. I don't know whether we will ever succeed, uh, but it's good to have an aspiration and we have already defined these aspirations. We work on a decadal basis. So if I look at my journey, I started with $100 in 2001, reached uh, $28 million in 2010, started 2011 with that $28 million. We are roughly $1.2 billion. So going from 1.2 to 12 billion uh, doesn't look uh, as an impossible target. But the future is uncertain. Nobody knows whether we'll reach there or not. But uh, what I can do, what I can commit is we will give our 300% to deliver that. So for you, uh, achieving that goal uh, is, is just a means to an end. For you, the whole process, the journey of going towards that goal is important, is it? And, and I think, is that is that how you approach uh, entrepreneurship in general as well? Yeah, because uh, Gita is written So we are actually, uh, we are acting with the belief that the outcomes will take care of themselves. Uh, and so karma is what I believe in. Uh, the fruits of the karma uh, could be actually sweet, could be sour. Uh, that doesn't matter. Is that how you also operate with the people who report into you as well? Yep. Wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, definitely a very liberating feeling to hear uh, this kind of leadership. Well, I think leadership is actually about not trying to boss. So leadership is about sitting back. Uh, I personally am quite free. I actually don't do anything. I don't overlook anybody. I only wait for trusted people to come back to me and tell me if I am needed to participate in something. Uh, so that gives me a lot of space, gives them a lot of space. And because they are better than me, they normally have better solutions than I have. So that makes Avishkar also function much better. So do you do you spend like a large part of your time thinking and ideating of problems and opportunities or is it more of dealing with people, being in meetings, helping entrepreneurs find solutions? Yeah, no, I, I actually meet uh, people as much as I can. I travel, I meet, I drive, I drive 50,000 kilometers. I love driving, I drive fast. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm happy to actually compete with anyone uh, on racing. I love to play. So whatever, whenever wow. I can play, I play chess, I play cricket, football, whatever. So um, yeah, I, I think I prefer to actually not really be too busy because if you are busy, then you are inefficient. That's my theory. Lovely. And I hope uh, I run into you soon so that we can play a game of chess very soon. Um, I love the game and uh, hope you find some time for doing that for sure. Uh, Vinit, it's been such a pleasure dissecting your brain, understanding your perspectives and just the journey of Avishar group from what it was to what it is currently doing and will continue to do. Thank you so much for your time once again. 
Thank you, Hardik. Thank you so much. Uh, it was lovely to talk to you and uh, thank you for all the people who listened to us. Uh, do consider uh, impact investing as one of the professions, but uh, I would still encourage you to be an impact entrepreneur than an investor. If you enjoyed this episode of Jamsters, please make sure you subscribe to Epilog Media and all major podcasting platforms such as Spotify, Jio Seven, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, among many others, for upcoming episodes. You know, I love listening from each one of you. So please make sure you share this podcast with your friends and family and your colleagues. And please make sure to drop a comment on Apple Podcasts if you're listening there. And also, if you're listening on Epilog Media, they've recently launched a feature where you can comment on the particular episode too. Your support is my fuel. You can connect with me on Instagram at the rate Hardik Devadya or on LinkedIn too. Catch you on the other episode.